the Ethereum Society proudly presents this series of podcasts in tribute to the 50th anniversary of the giving of the 12 blessings. The following podcast is on the seventh blessing. Blessed is the Mother Earth. This podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at the American headquarters of the Ethereum Society in Hollywood, California. The co-hosts were the Reverend Richard Medway and the Reverend Richard Casada. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we continue the presentation of the 12 Blessings in a podcast format. Tonight we are joined with a very special and unique individual of the Ethereum Society. Uh-oh. And he is the Reverend Richard Medway. And he's co-hosting tonight with me, and I am Richard Quesada. Good evening, all. So tonight we have before us a rather serious and interesting task, and that is to provide you with an insight regarding this very special blessing. It is the seventh blessing amongst the twelfth. We have learned much in these last six weeks regarding the twelve blessings and indeed many new aspects of occult truths, metaphysical truths, truths that were very important to provide the earth knowledge that will help him to gain further enlightenment in this, the dawning of the new age. We have a series of very critical pieces of information that will help you as the student of truth gain a greater insight, we hope, into the practical aspect of the 12 blessings and indeed the overall cosmic information that is available within this most sacred text. I personally came into contact with the 12 blessings in 1971. How about you, Rich? When was it? About 68. 68. Mm-hmm. So you can Old see fellow. here, it's amazing how many years a few of us have been with these blessings, and still we find them to be a treasure trove of um, new insights, um, new arenas of understanding so much is there contained within these sacred blessings. Um, so without further ado, I think we'll go straight into preparing you for the introduction of the blessing given by the Master Jesus um, some 50 years ago this year, as this is a tribute, these podcasts, to the 50th anniversary of the 12 blessings themselves. So let us, you in podcast land, please relax your shoulders. Allow yourself in these few minutes to be as a channel for which your divine power within you and also calling upon the divine power of God around you and visualize with your hands up and outstretched See white 
living light leave both palms as they are psychic centers and also your heart chakra, your heart center. And as we hear the Master Jesus pronounce this blessing, visualize this white living force being sent as a blessing to our Mother Earth. Blessed is the Mother Earth. The seventh blessing was introduced, like the previous six, by Saint Guling, who, as we know, is the keeper of the seal of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. But this time he gave out a very important secret regarding the whole of the twelve blessings. Saint Guling. The blessing today will be very important in view of the vandalism of men who defy the basic laws of metaphysics by their devastating journey into the perfection of the tiny universe, the atom. As a result of this, much of a part of your country lies beneath water. Had it not been for the energy released by these blessings up to now, most of your fertile country would be flooded. There will come a day when the vandals will have to swallow this bitter pill, for it is written that the mills grind slowly, but with great surety. This is the law of inevitability, which is descriptive name for karma. Pay attention all with your hearts. Be quiet all and listen to the mighty blessing. I go. We thought it would be very significant to add this opening statement by the wonderful master, Saint Guling. We find running as a golden thread throughout the Twelve Blessings, the constant reminder of the effect of mankind upon the planet throughout history. And in this particular case, the Master Saint Guling states categorically that the prior six blessings, the energy, the power that was sent with the actual text, the actual words that were captured on tape, obviously, and printed in book form, the power was sent out to the planet. And as a result, a series of floods, catastrophic floods, uh, was averted. And this shows the significant power of transmutation that spiritual energy evoked and manipulated by a meta-scientific-minded individual such as the Master Jesus through, and must be stated here, a individual in the caliber of Dr. George King acting as the medium through which these blessings were given, that this energy is miraculous. The world, once if they heard and as you are hearing now, those of you who first hear this, these words, and this is the seventh week now, the words that are being spoken are words that are intended, we believe, to inspire you as students of truth, to understand how significant our thoughts are, and as energy 
how much impact this has upon the overall conditions of our world. So when the Master Saint Guling makes a statement, every word must be of great interest to you as a student. And he mentions the atomic experimentation and the delving into the world of the atom. So we have here an important interest, each of us, for how we play a role in the altering of our world conditions. And we'll speak further about this as we go into this blessing. We'd like to, at this point, introduce the Master George King, who has a wonderful truth to give us all. So, Mark, would you please roll track one? Send your blessing to this great, vibrant being. Not so much because she needs your individual blessing, but because this gives her an opportunity to alter your vibrations, and your vibrations altered make a one better cell in the body of the whole. And the energy that you receive from the earth has been known in the mystery schools as the energy of the violet flame. The mystery schools have not told you that it is the energy of the violet flame, that that you receive from the earth logos, but it is so. It is absolutely so. You can see it. You can feel it. You can hear it. You can hear this energy. As it courses past your eardrums, it sounds like a high wind. You can feel it. In the springtime especially, try the practice of the violet flame, standing in your bare feet on a lawn, especially on a dewy morning. Make sure it's not too cold. Just try it. Especially, try it at night. Try it at night when it's as dark as possible in some very dark room. Go out of your way to make a room dark and then try it, especially a ground floor room. And you'll find that after a bit of practice, that room's no longer dark. It's not your imagination. Close your eyes. It's still no longer dark. That around you is this violet hue. Let it come up through you as a vibrant, oaring, aura-cleansing fire until you can feel it. How do you think some of us have the energy we have to go on? Imagine, just for a moment, how much energy I have given out during my speech up to date tonight. More energy than a good people, few people have expended during a whole day. I've given it out on that level and to the thousands of etheric beings who are in this room now from the astral realms and anybody who's clairvoyant, close your eyes, transfer your consciousness from there to there, and you can see them. Not space people, no. They don't need to learn from me, but people who do. Tremendous outpouring of energy. What puts it back? This practice of the violet flame. It can be done quickly, simply, it can be done anywhere. It charges one. But before you get, you've got to give. Naturally, you have. It's the law. What do you give? Give your love and power and radiance to this great Logos. And 
by law, in return, you get this wonderful, wonderful violet flame back again. If you practice the practice of the violet flame and haven't made it work, then don't be so selfish next time. Give something first. Then you'll find it'll work. Activate the law in the right way. Cast your bread upon the waters and that bread will come back. Have no fear, it will. And with it comes a deeper cosmic appreciation, a deeper understanding of your position in space. When you realize fully that the being upon which you live is an intelligence, a whole new vista of thought is opened out to you. It must be, because you look at other stars and say, there are intelligences too. What's going to happen to me one day? Am I going to be one of those? And if you tell yourself yes, what a target to work toward. The romance, the love that obviously comes from his voice with regards to the Mother Earth as an entity is very apparent. And it is, without saying, I believe uh, most of the people I have met, and I'm sure Richard would attest in our spiritual endeavors, we've met many people that love the Mother Earth, uh, that love her and their own way, give tribute and pay respect to her in many ways. There are many cultures that have their own ceremonies that recognize her in one form or another. But in this particular case, it was required, obviously, for it to be very much coalesced and streamlined and brought out of strange, difficult, misunderstood, and oftentimes distorted ways of reverence throughout the centuries, where not all mankind who could pick up this book in particular and read of her divinity and absolutely direct by invocation their power to her in a very successful manner. So here we have, once again, another wonderful highlight of the Twelve Blessings' majestic power. And we're going to read now from um, the Twelve Blessings of this particular excerpt. It's on page 37 of the Twelve Blessings, and it is as follows. Blessed is the Logos of this earth. She weeps not when the vandals do tear her bodies with wounds. She weeps not when the fools do commit foul acts against the very nature which forms her fruits. As yet, man, she has borne you. I request most strongly now that you do not take such for granted. She has not, as yet, demanded that you change or leave. Change or leave. To the uninitiated, this phrase might appear a little harsh until we discover, as Jesus obviously had done, that we destroyed our last civilization on this earth, Atlantis, using nuclear weapons. We'd also done the same for Lemuria thousands of years before that. And what were we trying so hard to do in the 1950s when these blessings were given that St. Guling was referring to? Change or leave? That sentence really got to George King. It made him weep. 
And he discovered in his meditations that catastrophic changes to the Earth's surface were becoming sooner rather than later, leaving the Earth uninhabitable by most of the human race. And shortly after, the cosmic masters confirmed that his visions and his conclusions were correct. He decided he had to do something about this. As a master of yoga and a radionic scientist, he had little choice. He knew instinctively that we had to start giving something back to the Mother Earth, and soon. But what? In 1966, he realized that the spiritual energy in the New Holy Mountains could be the energy source he was looking for, since the energy had been given to the human race by the cosmic masters and represented mankind's most precious asset. If this spiritual energy could be given to the Earth, the act of giving would have to improve mankind's karma. From his previous experience, he knew that if this spiritual energy was introduced into a psychic center of Earth, this would end up going directly to the Logos herself. But how to do this? First, he designed a physical battery to store spiritual energy, the first time this had been done on Earth since the days of Atlantis. Then he had to find a way of getting this energy out of the battery and into the psychic center, And he designed a radionic instrument that he called a spiritual energy radiator that could do this task successfully. After charging the batteries on a holy mountain here in Southern California, he took all the equipment out on a small boat over a psychic center beneath the Pacific Ocean off Santa Barbara and discharged the spiritual energy directly to the Mother Earth. What we call Operation Sunbeam had begun. The Ethereum Society continued this spiritual mission in the same way for 11 more years until the part using the boat over increasingly rough water became too dangerous. To many people's surprise, George King then redesigned all the equipment so that the mission could now be done more safely on land. Not only was the mission now safer, it could grow into something far greater with over 50 times more spiritual energy being given directly to the Mother Earth each year. But there was a final stage yet to come, a secret one. The five adepts had also been given the initiation of seeing part of the Logos of Earth in all her glory, and they had manifested a profound love and respect for this vast goddess over the years. Being cosmic adepts, they had to put their inspiration into practical action. And working with George King, they set up a new complex system of etheric links across our solar system, which is known as Operation Space Magic. Using this complex system as part of Operation Sunbeam, the Mother Earth could now receive real sustenance that she needed in the form of vast quantities of beautiful spiritual energy directly from four other planets in our solar system, her planetary brothers and sisters. This is Operation Sunbeam today, a spiritual mission that has given and will be giving in the future literally millions of units of pure spiritual energy directly to the Logos of our Earth. Change or leave... As the gods have seen, a few of us on earth have started to change, but as yet, only a few. While we recognize the debt we owe to our mother earth and continue to give back something to her that she can use, 
there are signs that our profound change has been acknowledged. Earth scientists have recently discovered surprising changes in the movements of her tectonic plates, which have greatly reduced the severity of earthquakes around our world. We can only hope and pray that our efforts will continue to count in this way as we try to improve the karmic balance between the human race and our Mother Earth. Thank you, Richard. That was a lot of information in a very short period of time. And for those of you who have questions regarding any aspect, please refer to our website, www.etherius.org, and you will find there may be in that uh, website some references to these particular operations and or books and lectures that expand further upon these very vital operations. One part of this change or leave that we're focusing on tonight is that not only did George King act as the medium for the Twelve Blessings, but after which he became extremely active in finding ways to express his divine love for earth and for man. And as he did this throughout the years, it was necessary to invent this physical equipment that has been referred to in this overview that Richard provided us tonight. During the years, as an example, Richard and I had the the wonderful privilege of being upon the research and development team for well over 10 years, each of us, together. And we witnessed on a day-to-day affairs that the constant dedication that the Master showed in his perseverance to see a new science a science that interwove the cosmic energies with terrestrial energies, terrestrial life, without disturbing anyone's daily rituals, not disturbing anyone's life. Um, He was able to devise and conduct research over psychic centers uh, at the expense of the Aetherius Society, which is once again a nonprofit organization, not uh, uh, subsidized by the government, or by private research foundations or private uh, philanthropists. The funds that were directed over these years were given by people who had ordinary jobs in many cases, uh, who had families in certain cases. And they so gathered together their power to offer George King very little money. I mean, by comparison to a lot of uh, drugs that are invented, the millions of dollars to have an R&D project for one drug is in the uh, millions. In the millions. millions. So we have here in 10 years necessary expenses uh, to go to various places, for instance, Scotland and England, all over England, travels across up to Washington State, all over the deserts of uh, Arizona and uh, Nevada, Lake Mead was investigated as an example. Obviously, Lake Powell was examined because it is, there is one psychic center there for sure that has been and continues to be utilized in Operation Sunbeam. Why is this being mentioned? Why are we focusing on this and this, the seventh blessing? Because George King not only, once again, I'm repeating this for emphasis, not only acted as the medium, but he also acted as an inspired individual and was determined and succeeded in a very short period of time, to bring into Earth uh, scientific apparatus that would be able to transmit power 
from point A, let's say this very headquarters, which we are now speaking from, to point B, 6,000 miles away beneath the waters of Loch Ness. And this inerringly would be repeated year in, year out, when every single phase was enacted. What's the result of this manipulation? Operation Sunbeam is a tremendous karmic manipulation. Yeah, indeed it is. And we've got used to this over the years, but in a way you never really get used to it. The fact that something as large as this would normally be done by adepts, and yet we've been trained by George King to, to carry this out into the future. And this is something that we do uh, many times each year. I think the problem with the summary is that it tends to make it sound really easy, mm. that it just happened just like that. But when we've actually witnessed the amount of pain, the amount of anguish that George King went through to make this successful, the amount of his own energy, his own health he was willing to expend, uh, he used to say that you know it might cost you $60,000 to design a door handle on a car, and he provided the inspiration and the research using his own mind to actually save thousands and thousands of dollars and indeed make it possible. And uh, it's that sacrifice of his which is so vital to attach to that because the important thing is he not only was pained by the statement about changing and leaving, but he did something about it, unlike most people on the earth. And that's one of his great legacies that he was a person who would do rather than just stop and think about it. Nor did he have a textbook or an, a fellow master on the planet to actually call up and or meet to find a way by which he could or they could together collectively sit, meditate, bring down an inspiration and collaborate to make a change. Talk about change this is what we're speaking about here. We opened up with, and we continue, as the Master has instructed us, is to perceive life as an energy. And life is energy. And so if we have collectively, over the centuries, provided the nature spirits, as we learned in the fifth blessings regarding the Devic Kingdom, we're providing them with negative collective energy as a man, as a group of people, then this has to have ramifications and results upon us back upon our surface of our world, which is our weather conditions, etc., etc., which we discussed already. So here he's, he painstakingly went about finding a way. And this is one way, which and there are others, by the way, which we can't discuss tonight because it would be too much time, unfortunately. But we look forward in future podcasts to gather those individuals and information so that we can further expand selectively on other missions that are vitally important, which you as the listener certainly, I'm sure, would be interested in learning about. So we'll push on tonight with the simple approach that there is a blessing to the Mother Earth, yes, and we are instructed by this Lord of Light, this Lord of Grace from the planet Venus, to send our love and blessings to this living entity which we live upon. Any further explanation, by the way, we can actually refer back to another podcast, a prior podcast called the Nine Freedoms Podcast, in which we, the Reverend Brian Kniep and I, last year, provided other additional information regarding the, the planet Earth and indeed the planets 
themselves as entities. And you can learn further about that structure as well and that becoming something that our future holds for us. Well, we'll move forward, and we have another extract that um, the Master King speaks more clearly about this blessing and, moreover, about mankind's abuse of the sustenance of the fruits of this world. And uh, this is a very important uh, extract because it sets right of this particular uh, raping that has been going on for a long time. We have many, many holy books available to us in the occult libraries of the planet. We have a lot. But never really is there and has been a master of this caliber who has spoken to earth uh, on such a wide approach, uh, traveling as George King did to audiences in Australia and New Zealand, across America, uh, living in motels, eating in Denny's restaurants, getting up and standing before crowds of hundreds of people and speaking about the 12 blessings, and talking about the uncomfortable truth uh, regarding our abuse of this earth and her fruits. So, Mark, would you please play extract two? Seventh blessing says, Blessed is the Mother Earth. Why not the Father Earth? Well, because that would be incorrect and quite wrong. It's a Mother Earth, not a Father Earth. It's a female intelligence, this Earth. At one time it was a great and mighty goddess who chose to suffer limitation on behalf of all the people who live on it. It chose to suffer this limitation. And what happened? Did the people, the microbes on the back of this great goddess, did they respect her for doing it? When man wants to change the course of a river, does he ask the permission of the earth before he does so? What is a river? A river is the same to the earth as one of your blood vessels are to you. Does he ask permission? No. When he wants to make a hydroelectric scheme, he makes a hydroelectric scheme in order to use the power for his own benefit. He doesn't get any permission. He gets permission from a government, but what right has any government to give permission for any hydroelectric scheme? The water doesn't belong to any government or any man. Aetherius reminds us all, point blank, we don't even own the atoms which constitute our small fingernail, never mind any part of this earth. We've only borrowed the energy in order to form it into that state so that we can use our fingernails to help us to pick up things, to gain further experience. But your bodies don't belong to you. How can they? They belong to the one source of power and energy. When man has got to the state, of course, when he puts these things in their rightful place, 
then he will be greatly advanced. The people on Mars wouldn't dream of making any move at all to alter the surface of their planet without gaining the permission from Mars as an entity. And so what happens? They don't need to eat. They've got bodies which will last them for thousands of years. Why? They've recognized a great source of power. Where? Coming from the planet as an entity. What do they do? They use this power. They're entitled to by law. They're helping the planet to advance, helping themselves to advance. Everything's more harmonious. There are no diseases on Mars or Venus or any other planet which has the same type of recognition. There's diseases on Earth, though. The weather conditions on Mars are absolutely what they want them to be. Why? Because they cooperate with the Devic realms. And they cooperate with the god, which is Mars. It's a male entity, is the logos of the planet Mars. And they cooperate with it. Anybody here ever seen the Logos of this Earth? One day you will. I won't say you bite, I'll say you will. You won't be in a physical body when you do, but you will. And then you'll greatly appreciate what Jesus is getting at in the seventh blessing. Blessed indeed is the Mother Earth, because she's a wonderful, vibrant flame a life force, a being. Uh, one of the things that stands out with George King as a master of yoga is he had many unique experiences. And we would like in our own lives, I'm sure, if we had a unique experience to keep it to ourselves as something very special and unique to each of us. But one uh, difficult aspect of his life was that most of his precious experiences George Higgins had to share with the rest of the human race. And one of his most precious experiences he actually wrote a book about and it's published by the Ethereum Society, Visit to the Logos of Earth. And this book stands unique on the planet Earth in the history of mankind because it gives you details of the Logos of Earth, how that works. He also mentions in there the greatest beings on the Earth, who he calls the Lords of the Flame. And these are great galactic beings whose sole task is to protect the Earth and to maintain her existence. And needless to say, beings of this stature with that kind of task are incredibly powerful. So here is a very brief extract from the visit to the Logos of Earth. And again, this describes one of George King's most precious experiences, which he's sharing with you. In their compassion for me, the Lords of the Flame waited for a short time, and then a thought came strongly into my mind as they directed it. It was your expressed desire to learn more of the Logos of Earth. Our mental promptings will not teach you as much 
as one look at a small part of this cosmic phenomenon. Know you that no one in your position has ever seen the logos of a planet in its total expression and ever lived to speak of it. However, a vision of this will be given to you in part so that you may have some small comprehension of the greatness of the total expression. After obeying instructions, I looked at the three lords who, by the way, were still dressed in their simple shining magenta robes with no protection whatsoever over their heads. One of them, whom I took to be the leader, moved his arm through the air in a half circle and the screen must have been instantly taken down for it was then I became aware of a tumultuous sound. It was though a stormy sea was crashing on hard, unyielding rocks with a deep rumble which seemed to ebb and flow like mighty waves. And yet at the same time, the sound held a definite rhythmic quality which I find difficult to describe. But what really amazed me was the light. An intense, almost blinding light came from atop the structure a few hundred yards ahead of us. The screen must have had the ability not only to deaden the sound, but also to filter out certain frequencies of this light. I felt one of the lords tap my helmet twice, and a darkened visor, which I had not activated, slipped down in front of my face. After that, the light, although tremendously intense, was more bearable. A small aspect of the planetary logos of terror. At the top of the steps was a curved arch made of white crystal, which, like the smaller steps leading up to it, was translucent. But it was not that upon which I concentrated so much as the tremendous surging light beyond. Without the visor, I would not have been able to stand that emanation for a second, and I knew it. Without the protective suit I wore, I would have been burnt to a crisp, not by the heat, but by the vibrations which emanated from this massive surging light, flickering like some strange cold fire, yet burning in an all-consuming way, and yet not that, because it did not seem to consume, but rather to be built up from itself. It was as though there was an atomic cycle going on here, as you would imagine the atomic cycle on a miniature sun. The molecules split to atoms. The atoms were rearranged in some mysterious way unknown to science to form other atoms which grew in clusters into molecules to be broken down again and again. As though an inner procreation was taking place from itself, or so it seemed to me. As a matter of fact, the more I gazed intently into this tremendous living mystic flame, the more I seemed to understand her. I stood there transfixed, paralyzed, absolutely fascinated by the indescribable movement within this living flame. Even as I gazed in fascinated awe at the stupendous power within this flame, she seemed to change before my very eyes, and for a fraction of a second she would take on a definite shape, like a large ovoid or part of an ovoid, then a circle, and then millions of squares, oblongs, pyramids, hexagons, and then these would disappear and the flame itself would revert back to giant multicolored fingers of mystic fire reaching ever upwards. 
I could view this through the large arch, which must have been, and this is only a guess, at least 150 to 200 feet wide and 200 or 300 feet tall. I was gazing at the life form of a cosmic being, so advanced as to become the logos of a planet. The thought was staggering. The sight was so magnificent as to be terrifying. How many men before me have been awed by this experience, I do not know. But I do know that I was thrilled to my very soul, and seldom have I lived as I lived then. Those of you who are listening to this podcast are probably shaking your head and going, Oh, my God, I've never heard of such an experience, and nor have any of us really found in any textbook certainly have met anyone else who has visited the logos of the planet and more than once and described it so eloquently in such a descriptive way. The 12 blessings, as we go on, and we'll read now another extract from the seventh blessing because it'll be important to segue into another very important occurrence of historic proportions. Blessed is the Logos of this earth, for she shineth like a sun doth shine. Yet a purpose, she hideth this light beneath the bushel of a material form which renders unto man sustenance. Well, this was in 1958, and some years later, in 1964, an event occurred that was spoken about in the mystery schools, in the ashrams, in the various holy and high places for many centuries, a prophecy of a very holy and sacred event. And this occurred. This occurred. It is entitled The Cosmic Initiation of the Mother Earth, the primary initiation of the Earth. Between 10 p.m., and 10.47 p.m., July the 8th, the cosmic masters of this solar system who comprise the spiritual hierarchy of the solar system performed the most advanced astro-metaphysical operation which had ever been reported to mankind, the primary initiation of Earth. Under the guiding genius of a highly evolved cosmic being, referred to as Mars Sector 6, streams of divine initiating energies were directed into the very heart of the living, breathing goddess, Earth. One result of this initiation is that she's allowed, if she chose, to alter her complete body, mountains, the shapes of the continents, the rivers, Immediately after she received this initiation, July the 8th, 1964, not too long ago, 44 years ago, in fact. Yet why hasn't this happened? She hasn't done this because she loves mankind. She loves us so much that she would continue to suffer limitation upon limitation, the like of which we will not understand for millions of lives to come. But this is really happening today. And what are we 
allowed to do. We are allowed to continue to experience life as we choose to, with our free will, to come and go as we wish. And yet, who is suffering for us? We speak to our children. We speak to each other about karma. We speak about the secret. We speak about how we can manipulate life so we can gain all the while the Mother Earth, this cosmic being, this beautiful goddess which is revered amongst the gods. Obviously, we, the lower aspects of God, crawling our way through evolution, learning about the truths, the true reality of truth, how it lives, how it shapes, how it moves, how it suffers, we are now realizing more than ever before that this is the true reality. This is really happening right now. So we have here a quickening that everyone is experiencing. We're finding this strange energy. Time is passing so quickly, isn't it? Those of you there listening to this, you know this is to be so. You see people more emotional. Higher stress is being experienced here. Unusual diseases are occurring. Viruses in particular possibly are even spreading as we speak. Strange occurrences. Is this because of the Mother Earth herself? Is this from her? No, this is not from her. This is because, in our opinion, that the discoloration of mankind, of our individual and collective thought energies, our actions, have so distorted nature upon the bodies that viruses do exist. Who are the creators? We are. Hmm? So we have July the 8th, which is in the calendar year, is our holiest day in the Ethereum society a day which we strongly recommend that you learn more about this divine occurrence and send your love and blessings to the Mother Earth in your way. And one sure way, in a balanced way, is to acquire the 12 blessings and indeed practice them. Because this book is not to be read alone. George yeah, King says, don't, don't just read it. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to use it as a mystic practice. Yes. And this is why the Master Jesus gave it to us, to actually allow us to be able to send energy out. Uh, and remember, if the, if the Master Jesus gives you a pathway where he blesses the sun, he knows far better than we do what the sun is. He knows better than us what the earth is. So he sets up a pathway for us to send energy out So it's not just a a nice book to stick on the shelf. It's something that should be totally worn out because you've used it so much. So we're talking now about July the 8th a little bit. But what does it mean to the future? What does the future portend? Well, it's two words. New world. The new age is now a term that no longer we can speak really Towards, we're now looking to speak more of the new world, a time when Terra, this planet, the goddess, can release these initiatory powers that are latent within her heart and manifest them and express them in their true potential. Yeah, the Master Ethereus made it very clear that once the initiation of Earth took place, then great changes would happen. And 
these changes would be so great that you couldn't refer to it as anything to do with the old planet, hence the term the new world. Everything would change. Mountains would be in different places. Continents would be in different places. He summed it up very simply from our point of view, and he said, uh, in those days, there will be just inhabited land and sea. Very simple. Now, one thing he uh, elaborated on was that these changes that would come from July the 8th, from the initiation of the Mother Earth, would come about very slowly. And it would be up to the human race, primarily, whether these changes unfolded in a slow, controlled manner as the Mother Earth wants them to happen, or whether indeed if we had a a nuclear war, whether they'd happen almost overnight. And the ball is in our court If we behave ourselves, then these changes will unfold possibly in in geologic time over thousands and millions of years, which is very slow for the Mother Earth, of course. These changes would happen very slowly, and we could adapt to those changes. And this is what the Mother Earth wants to happen. And the Masters have made it very clear that such is her compassion for mankind. She's stuck with us through atomic wars, and uh, everything that we've done to her, it's staggering that, that she still puts up with us. But even now, when she could uh, release her whole being, the crust would disappear completely. She could move to another place in the heavens if she wished to. All manner of vast changes, but she's delaying those so that we can evolve and that some of us might actually still be able to be resident on this earth when she changes. We've talked about this before, about this uh, global warming and the crisis uh, of of weather, predictions by many scientists of the forthcoming changes. Uh, Partly, this is obviously mankind's uh, responsibility that uh, these uh, changes are occurring. And as Richard is expressing, there is obviously a natural alteration of, of the planet herself changing on her own. That all combining does not uh, alleviate us at all from our responsibility. We really need to be knights and dames of Terra. We need to champion her. We need to respond today and tomorrow and the next day and really rise to the occasion and truly change history for the first time. Those of you there who are listening to this podcast, again, some of you uh, will shrug this off possibly and say it's not as significant and important. But there are those of you who uh, are looking for a way to express your divinity or looking for a practical uh, way to actually become enlightened in these days. This 12 blessings is very much the way to do this. It is a great white magical act. In closing, I think we're going to have one further reading, which is a very positive reading. And we'll finish as we're coming on to our hour. So we're covering a lot of ground here and mentioning terms. So please, those of you who have any questions who are listening to this podcast, do contact us through our website and ask any questions or call, write, and please don't hesitate. This is taken from the visit to the Logos of the Earth. I happen to have been at the Master's home in Santa Barbara when he projected on this occasion, and um, it was a very holy period in which he was very quiet, very somber, extremely delicate in his um, demeanor, 
and those of us that were around him provided him with the space and tranquility um, so that he could acquire that state of consciousness and being in his preparations to um, travel to the center of this earth. After which time, uh, when he returned from his projection, he would require healing and massage because he would be, his body would be oftentimes very cold, bringing Kundalini up to a very high center to project as he did and uh, a master of it. Uh, his body, this time he was into his early 60s, his body still had reactions and therefore he needed assistance. I remember that when this book was written, and uh, it was written obviously after the event, he would spend days uh, writing these beautiful words, uh, dictating it to uh, the Reverend Leslie Young, who uh, I personally uh, believe did a wonderful, wonderful um, spiritual service to us all by being in that position. So it is very difficult to catch every word of uh, Dr. King, who was remembering these, these experiences, and she did this in a very superb fashion. And the recalling of his experience, it's amazing how much detail he could remember, even weeks afterwards. And this is not only his only task, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. He was running an Ethereum society, and he had multiple missions, global concerns on this realm and on other realms simultaneously. And he was a very, very busy an active, dynamic master. So the reason being I'm mentioning this point is that um, it was not simply him dictating uh, about this holy and uh, special experience, but uh, he was simultaneously acting as the president of the Ethereum Society and the dynamic leader in all the realms and helping many, many forces of light work out the plan for peace and enlightenment. I'd like to read on page 118 from Visit to the Logos of Earth. This is the the words of uh, the Master George King. The future seems uncertain except in one definite way. Mankind will not be allowed to destroy the planet Earth by his atomic bungling. Before this happens, he will be stopped by force, if necessary, by the higher powers. He can war and kill and maim his brothers if he is callous enough to do so, but he will not be allowed to destroy the body of this earth as he did the previous planet upon which he lived. Despite the uncertainties of the future, with thermal nuclear bombs a constant threat to man's existence, The new age will come to this planet to those who are ready. Those who are not ready for this change will be born again on another planet in this solar system, which is younger than this earth and as primitive from a purely surface point of view as she was millions of years ago. And then man will have to work his way back through his respective lives, so that he may learn to worship, love, and work for God. Those who, by karmic law, manipulated by their own correct thought and action, 
have deserved to inherit the bright new age, will do so upon this beautiful green planet Earth. I have known of these truths for years. The initiation I received while in the presence of the great lords and while before the Logos herself has reinforced this knowledge. If you would be wise, then start an investment today by putting good, unselfish deeds into a spiritual bank account, which will pay the highest dividends of all. And let some of those deeds be performed directly for the benefit of the earth as a holy entity. Note that, as a holy entity, not just a source of physical sustenance. And I know from my own experience that when you do this, you will be guided and given the strength and knowledge to succeed and evolve. The earth upon whom you live is a most sacred and holy being. Always treat her as such. Always work for her as such. Always bless her as such. Go with God. Thank you, Richard. So, what do you say, mate? Time for some questions, I think. Anybody have a question? Those of you who have a question, we're open for answers. No. Those of you who have answers, we have questions. No. I think we're open for, uh, for whatever comes, yes. Um, we welcome your questions and we'll do our best to answer them. That's what I said. In the, I think it was the second extract that, uh, of uh, Dr. King, a lecture, he mentioned uh, life on Mars, not only life on Mars, but advanced life, advanced beings who didn't need to eat and this type of thing. Uh, yet uh, science has sent probes to the planets and uh, we've even been on the surface of Mars with our instruments uh, and scientists have said that there's no life there so that this seems a bit contradictory. Could you explain what he means uh, when he says there's life on Mars? We should understand a number of factors that on the physical planet Earth there are several kingdoms, and um, one, uh, one of which is the vegetable kingdom, second is the mineral kingdom, third is the animal kingdom, and we are the fourth kingdom. And as a result, uh, the Mother Earth being unique uh, in the solar system, which is in the annals of our teachings, that she is unique in many ways, that she provides, because of her diverse atmosphere and diverse body, she provides a matrix of life that can sustain multitudinous life forms. And these life forms are all gaining experience upon her body. The mineral kingdom is gaining experience upon her body, just as the plant kingdom and the, the animal kingdom and us as humans, and we're evolving. She herself, after she received the primary initiation on July the 8th, was capable of joining her celestial uh, brethren, namely the planets of the solar system, and vibrate onto another level of existence, thereby resembling, in certain cases, other planets that have uh, bodies that are not as uh, green and as uh, diverse. Yet, the physical beings or the beings on the planets vibrate and exist on another level of existence than we do. As an example, for instance, 
we walk in our physical form, yet we have other bodies. More than one body do we possess. Uh, we have a subtle body that, for the most part, our eyes can't see, just as the instrumentation that visits Mars at this moment and orbiting Saturn, various projects and missions that are NASA and JPL and, or, or JAXA or ESA. There's different uh, countries sending up various instruments that are reading various vibrations, bandwidths, and they're able to detect certain types of energy patterns, but they're not able to see just as we can't with our physical eyes, the subtle bodies of which these masters, these particular beings, exist primarily on that vibratory rate. Just as, for instance, if when you start to see ghosts, the so-called discarnate entities, people who are on other levels of existence on the planet Earth, we would see there's not only six and a half billion people on the physical realm, but we would virtually see possibly another two billion, three billion people roaming around as well. So... The question is a good question, and the answer lies virtually is that our Earth is what we consider to be reality is but only one aspect of multiple dimensions of living, of life, and of expression. And on the other planets, they live on higher dimensions of existence that are not detectable by our eyesight and by our our modern-day instrumentation. And not only do they live on a higher vibration, but you have to realize, too, that science on this earth uh, has adopted certain limitations that insist that the only way life can exist anywhere in the universe is with a carbon-based body that lives on water. So they can't conceive of a, a body living on nitrogen, for example, as a base or anything else. So in one sense, they're looking for simple life form that will resemble ours and it's and it's quite like yes life as we know it uh, it's strange but even in in science fiction going back 40 50 years you know the idea that that you could live on a planet with a totally different body but still have intelligence and the same f- function as 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 people on earth was was recorded in those days, but science is a wee bit behind in that, so they can't conceive of anything different from something with two arms, two legs, a head and ears and eyes, and looks just the same as us. In closing, in a way, what Dr. King has given us, acting as the medium, acting as the example, acting as a real good pattern of demonstrating that Yes, I'm human. Yes, I have faults. Yes, I have made mistakes. Yes, yes, yes. But I can also choose to act differently. I can choose to change my pattern. I can accept now that I am an aspect of divine life. I am connected and interrelated with all things. And there are laws. There are set laws that I must cooperate with, and in doing so, I can step away from the limitations of reincarnation, of death and rebirth and things of this nature, and I can move towards, as in the Nine Freedoms podcast described so clearly, this wonderful vista, this wonderful future, this wonderful evolution that's before us. So this being the first major cosmic book through which George King, in collaboration with the Master Jesus, gave to earth 
followed by a few years later, three years later, by Mars Sector 6, delivering to Earth the nine freedoms, we have that combination, the very uh, foundation and structure and pathway by which we can rise above all this uh, negative pattern which we've been so accustomed to. There is a glorious future, and we're doing it today and the Ethereum Society. And we welcome any of those who wants to join us. That's right, and it starts in your own heart and your own mind, and it starts with something as simple as just doing the blessings. And uh, again, that's designed to help you raise your thoughts and and view the the cosmos differently and uh, view the different aspects of God in a better way. And that's what we do. Now we'll finish the podcast now, joined together in the prayer at the end of the seventh blessing. We sit upright, close our eyes, and raise our hands. And just for a moment, let's think about this beloved goddess beneath our feet. The greatest aspect of divinity we can physically touch. Let's think up the violet flame through our feet, through our oar, up through the trunk, way up above the head, as high as we can visualize. And let's join together in the prayer. Oh, mighty creator, let the wondrous beams of your majestic power flow through all the children upon the earth this very moment so that they may reach upwards and realize the divinity of their heritage. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. We say good night to you. Good night. sincerely hope you enjoyed this podcast. For further information on these podcasts or the Ethere Society in general, please visit us on the web at www.ethereus.org. Thank you.